This is a land in need of a hero. They call him Machete. 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 He knows the score, and he kills the bad guy. Welcome to Now Playing's Machete Retrospective Series. You need to tell me that a Mexican day laborer has a goddamn vetrolli. That's like CIA, FBI, DEA, all of them will mean fucking burrito. Hosted by Arnie. Male, Hispanic, scars, tattoos. Don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you, attitude. Stewart. I don't know how you know what you know. I'm glad I know you. And Jacob. Why don't I want to be a real person? I'm already a man. This podcast contains detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Right to the point. I like that. Listener discretion is advised. Watch it to happen. Today we're discussing Machete, starring Danny Trejo, Steven Seagal, Michelle Rodriguez, Jeff Fahey, Cheech Marin, Lindsay Lohan, Don Johnson, Jessica Alba, and Robert De Niro, directed by Robert Rodriguez and Ethan Maniquis. Yeah, it's co-directed. That's what it says. This is the now playing co-host whose eyes you can feel on your uterus, Arnie. Stewart in L.A. Machete don't podcast, but Jacob does. I love that line. Machete don't text. What can I say? I love Machete. I am so excited that as part of our tie-in to our Tarantino gold donation series, I finally said, hey, we did Grindhouse. We need to do Machete and Machete Kills. (laughs) And that way we're obligated for Machete Kills again in space. (laughs) If we ever get there. (laughs) Never going to happen. I don't believe. Not for a theatrical movie. Maybe as a TV movie on El Rey, but uh, <laughs> I think this series is deader than a doornail, but I, okay. You know what? I loved Machete, the trailer on Grindhouse. I think that it was a highlight of the movie. I'm a little skeptical about whether it can be fleshed out, but Machete's different than all the other trailers that were included in that. I mean, Machete was a feature film before he was a trailer. Yeah, Robert Rodriguez got the idea for this Around the time he was making Desperado, that's when he met Danny Trejo and was like, oh, you are Machete. And when it came time to do that trailer, he actually had a script. But I've got to give this film immediate credit. I went back, I rewatched that Grindhouse trailer before watching Machete, and that trailer is very (laughs) faithful to this movie. I mean, Major League has less scenes from the trailer in the actual film than Machete does, and that trailer was made as a bit of a joke. Yeah, I think one actor changed. Although, it's all recreated. It is not all recreated. There are certain scenes that were taken directly from it. Huh. When Cheech Marin shoots the bald guy, because they didn't get the bald guy back. The bald guy was supposed to be Booth's aide, and that bald guy was there in the Grindhouse trailer, and they have a guy with hair who's much thinner in this movie, but yet, when Cheech Marin goes, God has mercy, I don't. That shot is straight out of the trailer with that bald guy. Yeah, yeah I noticed the bald guy was missing. Yeah, When Lindsay Lohan has a nude scene, I'm, I'm sure they just spliced in this footage, <laughs> which covers her face. <laughs> But yeah, they whether they used the actual footage or had to recreate it, they did a good job. Like, I wouldn't suspect that that was a made-up trailer for a film that didn't exist watching this movie. 
Well, yeah, and again, it helps in that he he was picking, you know, money shots from a real script. It wasn't that he wrote a trailer and and thought, wouldn't all these gags be funny? He had a full script, and he could go and pick the moments he wanted to film. It makes you wonder why he didn't just shoot Machete for Grindhouse. But uh, he, he made Planet Terror, and I thought that was the end of it. So why did we get a feature film? Was this a fan-demanded thing? I remember Comic-Con, they had this whole, like, lowriders. It's one of those special events that, like, hidden things, premieres that you have to find at Comic-Con in some lot. But it's all lowriders, and they're doing it like a drive-in movie theater screening for Machete. I I feel like this is one, like, just the fans demanded. They just wanted to see it based on that trailer. I think that's a lot the case. I mean, Stuart, you said, why not just make Machete with Grindhouse? I think he wanted to make Planet Terror a little more for that project, but he's wanted to make Machete since he wrote the script back in 1993. This film was released 17 years later in 2010. And I'm sure he didn't have to change any of the politics of the film, sadly. (laughs) It is amazing how topical this movie is. Even now. Yeah, I felt like, why is Donald Trump not in this film watching it today? (laughs) Save it for the third one. (laughs) He's going to be president by then. (laughs) But you can't make a movie without a backer. And I think it was the demand for this that got 20th Century Fox to pony up some cash so that Rodriguez's Troublemaker Studios could actually make this film and bring in some names. I mean, Jessica Alba. Robert De Niro. Yeah, there's huge names in this film. I'm shocked the names that they get for this movie. Yeah, it might help, too, that Machete was an established character. I mean, we're not doing these movies yet, but (laughs) apparently Danny Trejo did play a Machete in all of the Spy Kids movies. He played a character named Machete, but he did not play Machete. Oh, okay. (laughs) He has a totally different origin story, a totally different attitude. I mean, those are kids' films, and he's like the nice uncle who is also very good in combat. Yeah, if you're using spy equipment, Machete got a text. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I can't see any way that these films are related other than they both have Danny Trejo playing a character named Machete, which, counting Grindhouse, this is his fifth time playing a character named Machete. Gotcha. Okay, well, then we don't need to do Spy Kids in order to do a complete Machete retrospective. It's only two films, plus Grindhouse, and maybe a third one if they ever get around to it. That's right. And I remember, for those who donated, you heard, I didn't see Grindhouse in theaters. I didn't see Grindhouse until late last year when we were watching it for our Tarantino retrospective. But I was there opening weekend for Machete. Really? I remember you talked about wanting to even doing it for the podcast then. And I'm like, nah, man, it's Labor Day. I got plans. I was like going hiking or something like, please don't make me record. Yeah, I vaguely remember those discussions. I wanted to see it in theaters, but it wasn't one that I had to see in theaters. And I I didn't. I finally got around to it once it came out on DVD. I checked it out on Netflix. I don't know what was bringing me in except for the Robert Rodriguez name above the title, Danny Trejo, who... All right, I've met Danny Trejo. I have his autograph on my machete Blu-ray. I really like the man in From Dusk Till Dawn and Spy Kids and Con Air. So many movies. Rob Zombie's Halloween. But he works a lot. And he makes some utter shit. (laughs) Like Bubble Boy. (laughs) So 
it's not like I see everything with him in it, but this was taking me back to Desperado. And when it comes to Robert Rodriguez's films, I think From Dusk Till Dawn's my favorite, but Desperado, Machete, these are up there in the running. And I was getting a real Desperado feel off of this film. And it was just something Marjorie and I were both very excited for. Was there anyone else in the theater? It was about half full, if I'm being optimistic. It was half empty, if I'm being pessimistic. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) It wasn't packed. It was a Saturday matinee, but it wasn't like we were the only ones there the way it was when we saw Creature. Yeah, it's weird that he was able to get his studio to back him after Grindhouse was a total bomb. Because this is going for that same thing. Now, when we get into the film, they're not going to play up that aesthetic for the entire movie like they did with Grindhouse. But that being such a bomb, it is weird that he was able to get this financed. I I guess that says something about the fans and wanting this character and Danny Trejo as Machete. Well, and it should be said, while Grindhouse cost $70 million for two movies, but still $70 million, uh, for the whole... And you, and you only get one ticket, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this was a $10 million production. There was a much better chance on getting a return on that. So the stakes were lower. The company was lower. I mean, Weinstein's did not make this. Uh, this was made at 20th Century Fox, or at least released by them. Yeah, Troublemaker Studios is Rodriguez's company. He makes everything he does as far as the production studio, but he gets distributor backing in all of this. And yeah, I mean, this is a throwback film. This is a 70s exploitation film or an 80s cheap action film, like one that Seagal would have actually been in as the hero 30 (laughs) years earlier, but being made in the new millennium. And I think that was also a draw for me is just getting back to simple, extreme exploitation action. You're not warming my heart by saying Van Damme and Seagal, but, uh, you know, I I think this one is different. This to me is a comedy. And so I don't really look at it like uh, an action movie in the same way that, like Shaft was trying to be a legitimate mystery action movie. This is a comedy pairing Shaft. If Shaft were made as exploitation instead of black exploitation, that's how I look at this movie. Yeah, and I think that's some of the fun of it is you're able, like we've talked about so much with Tarantino, you're able to look back on the genre and, and take the best parts and make it greatest hits. You, again, re, I've said this many times, you watch a lot of those 70s and 80s exploitation flicks, not great, but if you could just take the best parts and jam them into one movie, you have a really good and fun movie to watch. In theory. In theory, that would be my hopes here, is that you'd be able to take all the best parts of the exploitation and exploitation and just, yeah, have a fun film here. And I just want to add as a bit of trivia, Stuart, when we were discussing Grindhouse, you thought Robert Rodriguez directed Predators. He was going to direct Predators. He turned down Predators and only produced it so he could make Machete. Wow. Well, you know, a script lying around that long, clearly it was his own. I I get that to a degree, but wow. I, you know, Robert Rodriguez must not like working for major studios because you would think that anybody would make the choice to make the big franchise film over what couldn't amount to being more than a beloved B cult oddity. Yeah, it, it had to be weird because like the two sets were literally next to each other and Rodriguez just kept going back and forth. <laughs> that must be why there's a co-director here. 
I don't know who this guy is. Looking at his credits, he's been an editor on a lot of Rodriguez's stuff. So just like Rodriguez hired his actual doctor, I, I perhaps that's how this guy got the job. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I do think of Robert Rodriguez, a, a big part of his appeal is that he does everything on his movie, but even he might have been stretched a little thin with two major productions going on simultaneously. So, yeah, his editor came in and did a co-directing job. I still am going to call this a Robert Rodriguez movie through and through. Got to agree with that. So, Arnie, why don't you give him the plot? We'll get into Machete. Danny Trejo is Machete, an ex-federale on the run in America, still hunted by Mexican drug lord Torres, played by Steven Seagal as a Mexican. I haven't seen that kind of casting since Charlton Heston in Touch of Evil. I looked him up. He's an European on the mother's side and Jewish on the father's side. But, okay, is that racist? <laughs> well, maybe he's not Mexican. Maybe he just runs a Mexican cartel. <laughs> With a Mexican accent? <laughs> Look, Europeans came and conquered South America, too. He, he could have descendants from that. He's a conquistador. Hey, he's a movie villain. I'm fine with that. <laughs> the conquistador theory may explain the sword. <laughs> well, that's a samurai sword, so none of it makes sense. <laughs> The hulking illegal tries to find work in Texas as a day laborer, but he's hired by businessman Booth, played by Jeff Fahey, who we have discussed more since Lawnmower Man than I ever would have imagined. Booth explains that his businesses rely on cheap immigrant labor, and that's being put at risk by Texas Senator McLaughlin, played by Robert De Niro. The senator is running for re-election, and his platform is a hard stance on illegal immigrants, wanting to put an electrified fence between Mexico and Texas. I think that's the only idea Trump hasn't put forth for that solution. Well, this is coming out in two months. He might have done it by then. <laughs> <laughs> they might have rounded up people in camps at that point. <laughs> he might be leading the posse to shoot them himself for a <laughs> campaign ad. <laughs> Booth hires Machete to kill the senator, and Machete takes the job, but it's a double cross. Booth's aide shoots Machete in the arm and shoots the senator in the leg, framing Machete for an attempted assassination. See, it's complex and convoluted, but Booth works as an aide for Senator McLaughlin. And the senator's poll numbers were dipping, and so to strengthen resolve against immigrants and to get the senator the sympathy vote, Booth planned this fake assassination attempt. More, Booth also works for Therese. Booth has a good drug trade in addition to being a senator's aide, and if McLaughlin is elected and gets that electrical fence up, Therese and Booth will have the only steady stream of drugs in Texas. But Machete has made friends, first with INS agent Sartana, played by Jessica Alba. Sartana was trying to investigate a network that aids illegal immigrants crossing the border and finding jobs, but when she finds out about the conspiracy Machete uncovered, she agrees to aid him. And Machete also has helped the network. The 150000 he was paid for the attempted assassination, he gave to network leader Luce, played by Michelle Rodriguez. So when Machete starts being hunted by Booth's goons, the network comes to his aid. So Booth hires 1-800-HITMAN assassin Osiris, played by Tom Savini, to kill Machete. And the result is a massive showdown between hitmen, Booth's goons, and the network backing up Machete. In the end, Booth is killed by McLaughlin when the senator discovers his aide's participation in the shooting. Then McLaughlin is shot by Booth's avenging daughter, April, played by Lindsay Lohan. 
And McLaughlin actually lives through that, only to be shot again by his own team of redneck vigilantes, led by Don Johnson's character, Von Jackson. As for Machete, he's left in a showdown against Therese, Machete's Machete, versus Therese's sword. Machete wins, impaling the drug kingpin, and so Machete leaves town with infatuated INS agent Sartana by his side, as credits roll. There's a lot more in there. I mean, Lindsay Lohan, Cheech Marin... We'll talk about it as we go through, but I think the point of this movie isn't necessarily plot so much as action. (laughs) Comedy! And yet, I would put both on the same level. I'd say this is, the action is actually exciting, which prevents it from being pure slapstick. But yeah, it is very over the top. There is a lot of slapstick. I mean, you get this opening scene, which is pre-credits is the stuff that's really done the grindhouse style with the scratched film. They drop that after the credits, but you get this opening credits about, I guess, Machete's origins. And come on, when he's spinning around, taking off heads with that machete, like, like I agree, Artie, like, I love that action, but it's so over the top. And like the heads popping up, the, the blood spurts going back to Kill Bill, almost. It's funny as well. It's even more than Kill Bill. It actually reminded me of Freddy versus Jason level with just the beheadings becoming these geysers of blood. And yeah, I hadn't remembered any film scratches from when I saw this. I'm trying to think back. In 2010, we probably still had some actual film projectors in town. I may have actually thought this was just a nasty print because I hadn't seen Grindhouse. I wouldn't have known to look for digitally added scratches, but I wondered how long it would be there. And yeah, it's pretty much gone by the credits. Yeah, again, you're calling this action. I want to stress, for people that are coming for action, this is not the movie for that. This is, in my interpretation, entirely a farcical, zany comedy. And yes, people are doing action-y things, but at no point are we, you know, white-knuckling it. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to watch this in suspense. I mean, it's all punchline stuff. Yeah, no, if you want to smile while people are beheaded, this is the film for you. That That's what I'm doing. Like, when Machete walks in to rescue this character, and Arnie, you said this plot's convoluted. I don't even know what's going on most of the time, <laughs> to be honest. like A naked woman has been kidnapped. Yeah, that's all I know is he's rescuing a naked woman who's really taking her time to, like, get out of there. Like, really showing her goods off. I want to just call out right now the score to this film. I love the machete theme with the electric guitars, but there's a lot of nudity in this film. Not like porno level, but more than a lot of films. And every time there is... Well, it was rated X, Arnie. Didn't you see the trailer? Oh, that's true. (laughs) That's true. But there's all this bow porn music that plays so regularly during the sexy scenes. It's just hysterical. And can we just all admit that Danny Trejo is not someone that any of us really ever want to see get it on? I mean, this (laughs) is quite something. I mean, Shaft, good looking guy, you know, if he wants to play up his Shaft and the phallus and all of that, I mean, that worked for the time. But but nobody wants to see Machete's Machete. (laughs) And I think that is part of the joke is like so often he is going to get it on and they're beautiful women, but you never want to see him. Yeah, I think that's going to be a barrier for some people. I mean, it is like, woof. Yeah, the women that he gets with and the way that he looks, that, woof. I, yeah, it's, it's rough, man. But wow, I never had that thought. I honestly just figured he's Artie, such don't a- look at Machete during the sex scene. <laughs> exactly. A, that is one. Yeah. I'm staring at the uterus. But B, I think that 
he's just such a badass, I went with it. I mean, he's cool, he's confident, he is always on top. Well, not with the women, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) I think that women can be attracted to macho even beyond looks. You don't have to have the Biebs hair in order to get the ladies. Yeah, no, I get that. And I I know that the reference point, what I heard Rodriguez talk about was Charles Bronson, who I I don't know. He's not a pretty man either. Danny Trejo makes Charles Bronson look like Sean Connery. I mean, this is, no, that's, this guy looks rough. Typically, farce or exploitation film, you typically have a very virile man playing this part. And here we're, we're stuck with a character actor, somebody that's usually playing goon number three, and he's going to be the star. And yet, I still think it's perfect casting. I called this out previously with From Dust Till Dawn. I like that Robert Rodriguez made El Mariachi and then got a film career going and decided to promote Hispanic American actors, be it Spanish like Antonio Banderas or Cheech Marin, Danny Trejo. He's got like this troop of actors he uses again and again. And Danny Trejo is a badass. Desperado from Dust Till Dawn. I mean, every time you see him, he comes off as exceptionally tough. I mean, maybe to you. I, To me, he is a bit player. I do not see leading man potential at him. I think it is weird to be watching a movie that features him so prominent. Yeah, I don't know if he's a leading man, but I could see it in this kind of film where he'd be a leading man. I, I Look, Hollywood's got certain standards, and uh, Trejo doesn't meet those standards when it comes to chiseled good looks. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, I, again, it plays into the comedy. I'm not even saying it's wrong. I'm just saying be prepared, folks. It's, yeah, very early into this movie, you're going to have this very rough-looking man getting it on with very beautiful naked women. And, uh, yeah, it's quite a pairing. But he's married with a kid. And we're, I think Rodriguez has learned something from Planet Terror. You know, he made a big punchline in that movie, a kid getting killed. He's not going to play that again. Not on camera. Yeah, that daughter never comes up again, right? No, well, she's dead. She's dead, but they show it off screen. Okay. They don't. He's not going to make that same joke again. I think that that joke played very poorly to many people. Although I laughed when the kid got <laughs> shot in Planet Terror. Yeah. No, I I missed that she died off screen. I thought they were going to go after her. Perhaps next. I thought you were going to find out that Jessica Alba or someone else was going to be the daughter. He said she's not in school, which I took to mean they are had already gotten to her. Oh, yeah, okay. I took it the same way. As your daughter's in school, no, she's not. That means she's cut up somewhere. See, right? I, I maybe she'll show up in space. I'm firm believer. If you don't see the body, they're not dead. Yeah, but Machete believes they're dead because yes. what we're having here is the classic hero stripped of everything. He does everything but scream to the heavens here, and they, they leave him for dead in a burning building, and three years later, somehow he's across the border soliciting day labor jobs in Texas. Well, I think the key was he is told by his boss, don't do it, Machete, you never follow the rules. I mean, this is every cop movie ever, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going in with his partner, and I love that his partner just dies right when Machete rams through the door. Yeah, all those bullets come through the windshield. Nothing hits Machete. They all hit the partner. <laughs> and he ends up looking like Alfred Molina after all the things in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, he's that riddled. But 
His boss knows it's him. The drug lord knows it's him. I don't think he has any place to go in Mexico. He's being hunted if people know he's alive. I think that's why he went over the border. He's lucky he made it across before Don Johnson and Robert De Niro led a team of vigilantes hunting for illegals, killing pregnant women. This is when I know this could be the third feature if Grindhouse was a triple. I mean, this <laughs> is just so exploitative, so we're going to push every button. Here's the thing, and I, I was trying to remember, this came out in 2010, I was still in California at the time, there was this whole Minutemen movement along the borders of California, Arizona, I'm sure Texas, where it's just like, private citizens, we're going to go guard the border with our guns, so th this would have been topical at the time. Although I would like to believe, even if they're guarding with guns, they're not using it as target practice. I mean, here, no. we're led to believe that a senator is actually making a campaign video for donors in which he is shown putting bullets in pregnant women. And I would say this is so over the top until I watch Trump's presidential campaign <laughs> where he says a black dude, maybe he ought to deserve to be roughed up for interrupting his rally. Like those are his words, like, and that's on video. And what I'm saying is this film, I remember when I first watched this, I'm like, ah, oh, this is so over the top. I don't know. The things have, politics have taken a weird turn where these attitudes came back in vogue. I hear what you're saying. Yes. I mean, d despite how the presidential race might look to us in 2016, this is still two steps removed from reality. I do feel like this is uh, way over the top. And Robert De Niro, you're right, big Oscar-winning star uh, Robert De Niro playing a part like this. I was surprised. Yeah. For a while, I thought they might be dubbing him. His accent's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think he's actually good for the part. I mean, by this point, what was he doing? Basically, meet the parents and meet the parents again and all that kind of comic <laughs> stuff. So... I was happy to see him in a role that at least involved guns and a little bit of toughness, even if, as you say, it's more comedic. It's at least more what I would like to see De Niro doing than Little Fockers. He throws himself into the role. What impresses me is that this is not a, a paycheck role. I've seen him many times late in his career kind of phoning it in, but for whatever reason, it can't have been for a lot of money because I think this whole production cost $10 million, and normally I think that would be like his salary, but he seems to be having a good time here chewing the scenery with Don Johnson. And what's really funny is he was never intended to have this role. I don't even know this name, but Chris Cooper? Sure. Yeah, Chris Cooper. Yeah, he's a great character actor. You'd recognize his face. He's been in so much. But yeah, Chris Cooper's great. Okay, I'm looking at it. I do remember him as the neighbor from American Beauty now. That's probably where I know him best. Yeah. <laughs> the one role I don't remember him in. Okay. <laughs> the, the father of the boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was a big yeah. part for him. But that's who Rodriguez wanted for this. And I got to think Chris Cooper is not a De Niro level name. And Chris Cooper turned it down. And then it just so happened they got De Niro. And once De Niro was attached, all of a sudden it became a lot easier to get other names attached. Sure. Is that how they got Jessica Alba? I think it is. And is she someone to get at this point? I mean, come on, post Fantastic Four. We are a couple of years beyond the second Fantastic Four. <laughs> Had Sin City come out yet? I was trying to think back at Jessica Alba's career. Has she ever been respected? Because I think about, like, when I think of her, I think of a Maxim magazine cover, right? Yeah. Where she, you know, she's in movies, but 
I don't know that she's respected. Where you get ScarJo, she was on Maxim covers too, but she really proved she could act and became a really respected actress. And Jennifer Lawrence, a really respected actress. Jessica Alba never had that phase, right? I mean, I'm looking at her. Good luck, Chuck. She was in that horrible, horrible Hayden Christensen movie, Awake. And then that even worse, if you can believe it, Mike Myers movie, The Love Guru. Well, let's just say she never tried to take dramatic parts. By and large, she took mainstream roles as the girl that all the guys go gaga for. I mean, she didn't try to have Scar Joe roles. Yeah, she spent Sin City dancing as a stripper. Never strips, but that's all she does in that film. Yeah, I mean, I don't even really know what her claim to fame is other than, yeah, just being, you know, hot in a bikini. I I just think that has been her role, and she played it often for about a decade there. But yeah, by this point, I think uh, the gravy train was coming to a stop. I I think that probably the phone wasn't ringing very much for Miss Alba uh, at this point. Yeah, we are five years after Sin City, just to put it in okay. perspective. But she did become part of Rodriguez's entourage. She was in Spy Kids 4 and comes back up in the sequel to Machete. So so that's what you do when you got a failing career, try to get in with Rodriguez and he'll keep you going. <laughs> Worked for Steven Seagal, I guess. I mean, he's the one who shocks me to be here. This was his first theatrical film in many, many years. He was doing his reality show, I believe, by this time where... What, he was an Alaskan cop or something. He had an energy drink going on. He was nobody by this time. I believe he was actually running from legitimate mobsters. I mean, there are some strange <laughs> stories about his personal life at this point. But yeah, I agree. I didn't know Seagal was in this movie. I knew Alba was in this movie. She's heavily featured in the promotion of the of the movie. But if, if Seagal was promoted in this, I'm not saying he wasn't, I didn't notice. And so, yeah, that that is a surprise that he's the big bad. And underneath him, we have Robert De Niro. And then we're seeing sort of a character on the middle. Jessica Alba is the Latina who works for the immigration department. So she's deporting her own kind. She's got a... I, by meeting Machete, I'm predicting the the course of her character arc will be that she'll learn that what she's doing is wrong. Yeah, I love the fact that it, it she implies that she started by like cleaning the toilets at the FBI and worked her <laughs> way up as an ICE agent. That works at restaurants. Does it work at the INS? <laughs> I don't think so, but I, I thought it was funny because they're, of course, playing off all those Mexican stereotypes. And I mean, out here again in L.A., when there was a lot of protests, the mayor who was Hispanic at the time was like, we clean your toilets. Like th- this was a big protest rally call out here. <laughs> They cover that in this film. I mean, it's really strange for this movie, but twice one of Booth's goons is like, you ever think we let them into our house? We let them watch our kids? We won't let them in our country? Yeah, you you never question a Mexican if they walk up with a lawnmower and some hedge clippers. Well, that was really funny. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, this is a convoluted plot, but we're brought into it really simply. I mean, it just starts off... Just like the trailer that Machete is a day laborer who's struggling to get by. I love how he gets in this fist fight, kind of, where he's offered $500 to fight this guy and he does it all while eating a burrito and never throws a punch. Machete is kind of weird because he doesn't, he's always being offered these options that he doesn't want to do. And you just get the sense that he does it because 
what else is he going to do? Just out of boredom. I, I get the sense that, yeah, he, he needs to pay back loose for getting that free coffee and tacos the other day. So yeah, I'll, I'll rough up this guy and pay her back. I think honestly, that's why he does it is because a lady running a taco chuck gave him some charity. Yeah. Michelle Rodriguez, who runs the taco truck is loose and possibly as it, this really bugs me. They keep saying she, I want to say she, like they're playing off Shea Guevara here and, but it's she. Oh yeah, you're right. I didn't pick up on that, but yeah, that's, there is a uh, infamous, I don't know. It doesn't really even make any sense. Why can't it just be her? Like, because you need a myth. There's some phantom woman that supposedly runs a network and surprise it's her. And I actually was surprised it's her because Michelle Rodriguez, we talked about her quite a bit in the Fast and Furious series, but around this time, she just started to come back in the fourth Fast and Furious film, but she'd really fallen off the radar quite a bit. I was excited to see her here and looking damn good. I do not know who Rodriguez gets to make every woman in his film look exceptionally hot, but they do their work well. I don't know, filming in Texas, so you're just covered in beads of sweat the whole time? There's also a good hairstyle and a good outfit and makeup, concealer. There's a lot going on there. So we have a scene early on in which immigration officer Alba is buying cheap coffee from Rodriguez. And we know these are the two girls that Machete is going to end up with. Who were you rooting for? Who do you think that he was going to get? You're going for Luce, of course. Sartana, Alba's character, she's seen as the turncoat. She's the Mexican that's deporting Mexicans. So, of course, you want Luce to win. If I were picking for me, I'd pick Alba. <laughs> if I was picking for Machete, I would pick Luce because I know Michelle Rodriguez can kick some serious ass. And I think Machete would appreciate that in a woman. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure out how this was going to go. I figured one of them would die. Is it, that he might pick one and then she'd die and he'd end up with the other one. But Alba being, you know, featured so prominently here, I have to believe that she has to get with Machete in order to realize the, quote, error of her ways and realize that she needs to change the course of her job. Now, interesting. Did either of you watch the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray for Machete? Nope. <laughs> Jessica Alba had a dual role. <laughs> Yes, that, I saw those scenes. Yeah, she played her own slutty twin sister. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they were going for with that. I think they were going for two things. One, more exploitation humor, more Jessica Alba screwing, even though she was constantly clothed while doing it. Well, she's got, she's naked in the shower at one point. No, they she's show not. Her anymore. I, I saw buns. You saw CGI. Wow. Okay. Google Jessica Alba machete shower. She was wearing like boy briefs and a bra. Wow. Okay. I was going to say you see more of her naked in this film than when she played a stripper in Sin City, but I, I guess she had a green suit on. No, just white, but she's not believe in nudity or sexuality. The entire reason her twin sister was cut is because she went to Robert Rodriguez and says, listen, I'm really not comfortable with that in the film. Robert said, okay, we'll cut it out and then put it on as extra features on the blu-ray well i would also say cut it out because it's not very funny and it seems to have nothing to do with the main storyline of machete i mean we're here for machete and while i'm glad that he's going to be you know helping her out at some point i want to see the assassination plot i don't want to see more of alba 
And they've changed this. I've got to say, not only have some of the actors changed, but before I got the sense that it was like a JFK motorcade kind of Dallas recreation. And in here, uh, the way it's going to play is it's actually just a hate rally for the senator. Yeah, and that original trailer, they're definitely going for JFK. You see the motorcade coming down the street here. McLaughlin's giving a hate speech to a crowd. Yeah, and he's there... Under, help me understand Machete's motivation here. He's brought in by Fahey. <laughs> Machete's big fear is that Booth wants septic work, which, funny. But what Booth wants is to hire Machete to kill the senator. Now, I understand Booth's motivations completely. As I said in the plot summary, what he's really trying to do is frame any Hispanic for a attempted assassination of the senator to get the senator the vote. But why does Machete take the money? Why does Machete say he's going to do it? You said, Stuart, that he took the money for that fight in order to pay Luce back for that taco. But he doesn't owe anyone $150,000. I think we're supposed to think he has nothing to live for. He's given a couple seconds looking at photographs of his wife and daughter, the ones that were killed. And it has been three years. He can't even get day labor work. I mean, they're picking other people for it. So I think he's taking this job thinking, okay, I get to kill somebody that is filled with hate speeches against Mexicans, and that money will go to good work. They make a point of showing that he gets $150,000 in a suitcase, but he's going to pass it off to Luce and the network. He is not going to try and, you know, keep that and, and get rich. He's not thinking about a future. I just get the sense that, you know, he takes the shot and is like, okay, this is how I'm going to go out. So you think he really was going to kill the senator? Because later on, yes. he tells Jessica Alba, I wasn't going to kill him. I was just going to shoot him in the neck and stop him from saying that stupid shit. Yeah, I feel like they pull their punches there. I mean, right when it's happening, he turns and there's somebody else that's they're going to snipe him. And I I don't know. It, it's not well defined. I think Charles Bronson would have made the hit. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> no. And you know what? I... Again, this plot gets so convoluted as it keeps going on. It plays out like a, a exploitation flick would play out. It, it, it is poorly conceived. It, things are going to happen and motivations are going to change to fit whatever is needed at the time. I, I actually don't bother questioning the plot in this film because that's not the point of it. But yet, I believe this film to be good enough to ask these questions. I wouldn't have asked these questions at all during Grindhouse proper. But here, I think this film has a lot going on. I don't think it's a stupid film, not even an intentionally stupid film. So this is the one area where I just couldn't follow Machete's motivations. For the rest of the time, Machete is not a character with an arc. Machete is a force of nature. Machete is one who comes in and other characters change around him by his mere presence. So I'm not really looking at it from that angle. I don't think that we're seeing a character arc of Machete going from a man who has nothing to live for to Machete the myth, the legend with Sartana on his bike. I really feel that he's always the good cop, which is why when he's standing up there with the sniper rifle, I'm curious. Maybe he's just investigating. I don't know. No, he does pull his punches. I mean, there is some... There's something to believe that he was never going to go through with it, but I don't really care. I guess it's my, I don't think Machete's that interesting. He's kind of a one note joke and I'm not trying to figure him out. 
Machete don't have reasons. Yeah, I mean, it just didn't matter to me. I mean, again, when I look at this through the prism of comedy, I wish this were an action movie. I, I wish this were a Charles Bronson movie, but it isn't. It really is more in the lines of Leslie Nielsen, Naked Gun. Why? Just because he's holding on to someone's intestines when he jumps through a window to escape? <laughs> oh, that's <Yeah>. awesome. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. That's the kind of stuff I want in this. Like, when you have these, you know, he goes on the run after this assassination attempt, and he's set up, he's shot in the shoulder, and he's arrested by what we think are cops to find out, no, they're not really cops, and they're like... You know, I didn't frisk him. Did you frisk him? No, I didn't frisk him. Did you like? And then, of course, the machete comes out like I, I'm like, these are stupid goons to not frisk someone named machete. Make sure he doesn't have a machete on him. But I, I see what the punchline is. I see that this is a joke to be set up, not something to be taken seriously. I didn't even understand why there were fake cops there to arrest him. Why not just have real cops there to arrest him? Because they wanted to make sure he was killed. It, Booth wanted him. OK, so why not just kill? Uh, anyway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, why why is Booth like while all this is happening, Booth goes to th- this is where I get confused to like a drug den to rescue his daughter, Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, I mean, he was tipped off. It wasn't like he wanted to do that. I mean, he's got personal problems. Yeah, she texted him and said she needed help. And so, yeah, he went to get her and we're introduced to Lindsay Lohan. I can't think of any more appropriate casting since Robert Downey Jr. was in Less Than Zero as Lindsay Lohan as the fame-craving, drug-addled nympho. Not that I'm... Allegedly. Is this too mean? I almost feel like this is almost too exploitive. I mean, I know we're in an exploitation movie. (laughs) Do you think she was high when she signed up for the role? And didn't know what she was doing? Well, I just think that she didn't have any other options. At this point, all doors were shut to her. So if she wanted literally, you know, to get money for drugs, she'd have to do anything. So, I mean, this is better than being one of Corey Feldman's angels, I suppose. But, I mean, this is really low on the totem pole. And they're playing her, you know, for her worst PR problems. I just think, yeah, we're watching someone with addiction issues still, currently, not solved, with very present addiction issues, laughing it up. And it's, I don't know. I was a little uncomfortable. Well, she took the role of her own accord. She only worked for three days on it. And she had a no nudity clause. When you see nipples, it's not hers. Unless I do think that hair brushed aside from time to time. But Yes, I think those were hers. But yeah, when Machete gets it on with her and her mom, obviously someone else. And yeah, and when Machete's carrying the naked bodies around and all of that. So I feel bad for Lindsay Lohan. I really hope she can deal with her substance abuse issues. But... I think she's playing very much to type and very appropriately cast here. Yeah, no doubt about it. This is the way we think of her. Whether you want to laugh about it or not, yeah, this is Lindsay Lohan in 2010. I'll say the the, the biggest laugh for me, and this was set up in the trailer, is when Machete goes to see his brother for help, Cheech Marin. I was so glad they got this. When we were watching Grindhouse, I couldn't remember if Cheech was in this film, but I love Cheech's lines in there. Yeah, imagine the anger you would have had if they only got Chong instead. (laughs) Totally different role. But when he was there, like, I mean, it's just really funny. And I I love just the intro line because I knew where it was going thanks to the Grindhouse trailer. And Cheech is like, I don't kill anymore. You don't kill any less either. 
just <laughs> some funny lines. They're just nice quips that are keeping me in a jovial mood throughout this whole movie. And you always have to have the religious figure. I mean, this is a cliche of the genre that the guilt, the, you know, the, the one element that, you know, here's a, a man alone, but he's always got to answer to God. I mean, they, I mean, was, wasn't that even a big plot point in Fast and Furious four? Wasn't the villain in that like a big Catholic or something? And there's a church shootout. It's in everything, but yes, I do remember Vin Diesel having a lot of crucifixes in one of those movies. Don't ask me which one. <laughs> I think it was part four, the one where Letty comes where back. Where they go to Mexico. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it's also a stereotype of Mexicans to be very religious. But I like that. I also like that there was a tie into Grindhouse that I never would have known if you hadn't brought it up, Stuart. That doctor is back as the real doctor. Dr. Okay, Felix. so that was the same doctor. <laughs> yeah, that is Robert Rodriguez's actual physician. He's asked him to work on movies before, and yes, he's here in the hospital, part of the network. Uh, we also have his twins, Mona and Lisa, here as nurses. That yeah, what we're to understand is that there is this whole yeah cabal of illegals, or at least sympathizers to illegals. I, I think a lot of them are illegals that are now perhaps legal. They faked papers or they've become citizens, but they've infiltrated the states. They, they've created this network of, you know, they've got jobs, some got jobs, some don't. But yeah, it, it, as it says, a network, they're all over the place. You don't know who's in it. A risky joke, I gotta say. I mean, this feels very contemporary. And yeah, you wonder if a movie like this would even get greenlit now, that this movie feels even more cutting edge five years later than it did at the time. But uh, yeah, I, th I think what I really appreciate about Grindhouse movies in general is that they will go there. Is that Hollywood movies tend to play it safe? That should we do this? Would this be perceived as offensive? They focus group something and you never get too many controversial elements. But here, Rodriguez just goes for it. I mean, he doesn't care if you're offended or not. Yeah, there's a bunch of illegals networking. They're your maids, they're your dishwashers, and they're, you know, conspiring to do all these things uh, underneath the cover of night. And here, yeah, they're going to save Machete uh, after he gets you know, shot by the sniper when he was supposed to be doing the sniping. And honestly, the politics here, they're not cut and dry. The black and white attitude that this film takes, I'm glad I can have a good time with the film because it's asking questions that it's not really prepared to answer. Yeah, it raises hackles. I mean, it gets us to think about it. But yes, it's not. I don't think that this is the movie to lead the discussion or any discussion um, for that matter. I mean, Robert Rodriguez, let's just say it. I mean, he makes kids films. I realize now, having seen several of his movies, that they're always aimed for kids. Even though this movie is ultra violent and full of blood spatter, I still feel like it's for the 12 year old in all of us. I mean, it is not sophisticated. He's not capable of being sophisticated with exploitation. The, not in the way that Tarantino is. But he's so much better at exploitation itself. I mean, nothing Tarantino did in Death Proof has anywhere near the fun of Machete grabbing that intestine and jumping out the window and then getting rescued by Luz and then Luz just jumping on top of him and straddling him and 
Well, the difference is Tarantino likes to take badasses and then show us real-life problems with them. Like, oh, they're just like us. They're going through divorce, or they're worried about midlife crisis, their virility, their hair thinning, or whatever. And so we're asked to think about them in a natural way. Rodriguez is always a hyper-cartoon. It's always an environment when things are way over the top, and yeah, you can never go too big. He doesn't want reality to intercede at all. Which I think I like more if you're making an exploitation film, you know? It's like Tarantino's making a Pomo exploitation film, whereas Rodriguez is just making a fun time. Yeah, you know, I think they approach the genre from two different directions. I could appreciate both of them. I think Tarantino goes a bit more highbrow. Rodriguez stays lowbrow. And I don't have a problem with that. I enjoy lowbrow. And what's the deal with that egg that Luz ah! puts under the bed? I could tell you because I was watching this with my wife who she's a white girl, but she speaks Spanish. She lived in Mexico for a while. She's a teacher and she deals mostly with Hispanic speaking children. So she knows a lot about the culture. And that's basically what she was telling me. It's a way to like draw out, you know, this because Machete has been hurt at this point. It's a way to like draw out the pain and the injury. It's just like a folktale, an old wives method of fixing someone as you suck out all the bad energy and it goes into the egg and then gets destroyed through there. Yeah, I thought it was like Santeria or something. It's like, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yes. Some kind of magic, you know. It's, yes, uh, exactly, yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure if they were just trying to tell us the room was hot. Yeah, I wasn't sure why it was frying the next day. I don't know what the, yeah, whether that, that meant that yeah, the room was hot or whether things were getting dangerous or whether there's something about machete that just makes it more combustible. <laughs> His own body heat can fry an egg. But yeah, we have a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of action at this point. I wouldn't call this movie an action movie, but there's a lot of uh, gun battles with this sniper. And I never even got his name, but Shea Wiggum is is the actor playing him. It was the bald guy in the trailer. A lot of back and forth. I feel like they're kind of just wasting time here. There's not really anything being learned about the plot or pushing the plot forward. I don't think he actually has a name because I looked him up on IMDb and he's just listed as Sniper. Yeah. Yeah. This is more about, Stuart, you're saying the jokes. And I tend to agree. Like, here's an action scene punctuated by something funny, by something so over the top. And then we're going to go to the next set piece and do something crazy and, and have a joke there. I, I feel like that's how this film moves along, especially in the middle when Machete's on the run. Yeah, there's a lot of intermediaries. Even though we know Steven Seagal is the big bad, and underneath him we have Jeff Fahey and Robert De Niro, uh, yeah, we have all of this other stuff, too, that we have... We have Osiris. Yeah, exactly. We do not need Tom Savini in this movie, but... <laughs> yeah, we kind of do. <laughs> okay, this actually is way, way cut down from the deleted scenes I saw, which did tie into Jessica Alba's twin slutty sister. Oh, okay. When they hire Osiris, Osiris brings a team. First, that comes with him, and I have no idea who the actor is, if it's anyone, but someone in a Lucha Libre mask is a fellow assassin. And then Rose McGowan was there as <laughs> another assassin. Did she have a machine gun leg? She did not, sadly, have a machine Aww. gun leg. Instead, she had, I think, bangs. 
But Okay. <laughs> and this was right around the time that they broke up. I mean, up to this point, Robert Rodriguez had tried for many years to get her in Barbarella and all of these exploitation movies as the star. And that she ends up in this bit part as, as one of an entourage. This had to be the beginning of the end. And it did make me very uncomfortable to notice Robert Rodriguez's wife was still producing and knowing that Rose McGowan had scenes here. But it was Rose McGowan who was going to shoot Lose in the Eye. Mm. instead of the other person. Don Johnson. And Osiris actually got a nasty kill. In the theatrical cut, he lives. I mean, he's an assassin who kills Cheech. We just don't see him again. In the deleted scenes, he's outside of a mechanics garage and trying to snipe machete and a whole bunch of people grab him and this is the scene that was in that grindhouse trailer but ended up not being in the movie of machete's auto body where the person gets like a buzzsaw to the head that was tom savini's character there oh right i remember seeing that buzzsaw scene in the trailer and don't remember it here so it was cut out They've been very good about getting most of what's in that trailer yeah. on the screen here. I've always noted when they did it, and they did it in very similar ways, but you're right. There was that moment, and so they filmed it. It just, they didn't want to kill Tom Savini. I don't know what happened, because also, they killed that twin sister. So was it when they cut the twin sister mm. plot, they wanted to cut it down? Was it they just realized this whole thing wasn't working? They were going into too much depth with this other assassin? Because there was a lot more Savini and a lot more Alba. That's pretty much what was cut. And a little bit of Rose McGowan. Did they decide they needed to focus more on Machete? There's no commentary. I was able to see the scenes. I was able to hear some stuff on the Machete Kills Blu-ray that was retrospective, but not a whole lot of information about why these scenes were taken out. Maybe it's as simple as he broke up with Rose McGowan and was like, screw it, I'm not putting her in the film. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I wouldn't doubt that. And I think in these type of films... The tendency should be a shorter feature length. Like, this is, what, an hour and 45-ish minutes? It's 15 minutes too long. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, this is a one-joke movie, and it's a good joke, and I'm laughing, but boy, it, by the time we're getting to the climax, I'm not laughing anymore. Even I'm going to agree with that, because I'm having a whole lot of fun when Machete's out doing his thing. But it's really right around the one hour mark where everything grinds to a halt. And this is where the Osiris stuff would have pretty much been. This is after mm -hmm. Osiris is called in, where he's going over and having breakfast at Jessica Alba's house and kind of pulling a gun on her and then giving her the gun. And then there's a lot of talk back and forth. This is where the plot is revealed. It's also where Machete has that awesome mother-daughter three-way. But... <laughs> The plot. I mean, the plot, let's just, you know, boil it down for people. The plot is that Steven Seagal's character is working with Robert De Niro's character to build the wall because the drug cartels will have it's for them to be able to open and, and shut that. It's, it's their own private way of getting drugs in and out of the country. It won't work to keep Ill illegals out, it'll simply be a method by which the cartel stays in power. I think it also will keep the illegals out, hence why the cartels can stay in power, because otherwise the illegals can come over with, as they say, a dime bag and go into business. But that's not much of a plot. That's, you know, Machete going and, and figuring out Jeff Fahey's password and coming back with some discs. And, you know, in one scene, he and Jessica Alba have, have solved this. 
Yeah, and all they got to do is give those discs. I do love that the Hispanic news station, you know, Telemundo is what it's called in real life. But in this film, it's Exactamundo. Which is, I think, an homage to Tarantino and Pulp Fiction. Oh, that's right. They Jules says that at one point, uh-huh. doesn't he? And, but there's more than just that disc. Machete finds out about the disc, but there's also all the revealings of the machinations of this, like, crime triangle where... Well, yeah, what's so weird is that Robert De Niro's character, Senator McLaughlin, like, they filmed him shooting pregnant people crossing the border to, what, give to his supporters? Like, if you donate money to his campaign, that's one of the... You Private, know, Give to yeah. Now Playing, and you can watch us snuffing someone out. Like, is, was not that really. the thought? Let, let me just say, not really. You can hear us talk about Tarantino. <laughs> you can't watch us kill people. Hey, if the price is right, guys, just send me an email. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's for the big donors that would that would support him in that way. But that's not that's not a video he. That's wants not the to, fifty dollar dinner plate donor. Yeah, that's okay. not something that's... he wants to get out into the public. Obviously, if someone is caught, if any politician is caught murdering people, I think that's a, a career killer at best. <laughs> And in a jail sentence, more than likely, yeah. It doesn't feel like something you'd see before this ad was approved by, but something that, yeah, for the right person, like Donald Trump, they may give big for that. There's also a little bit too much of the network going on here. For some reason, they've insisted on bringing back spy kid Daniel Sabara. It's supposed to be Jonah Hill. Yeah, but again, not Jonah Hill, not in... <laughs> The Rodriguez staple versus this guy who, A, he'd worked with Trejo in addition to the Spy Kids films. He was the bully from Rob Zombie's Halloween. But yeah, he apparently needed some work and Rodriguez pulled him for this. You have to expand the network because Machete is not that interesting. I mean, he he's one dimensional. He goes and he can do everything. And you you need to have other characters. You need to, in order to make the plot interesting, you need to have supporting people. I get why they'd want to have a network of, of people here. But yeah, I don't really get why these two kids are here other than Rodriguez always likes having young actors. Yeah, I feel like the last good joke in this film is really... Padre, who gets crucified by Osiris, and, you know, he's asked one last time, where's Machete? He is everywhere. Like, I I think that's a great joke, and then Padre dies, and then we get into the network, which, as we get into the end of this film, like, big groups just show up all of a sudden. You know, interlace what the network is doing throughout the film. It's just like, oh, all of a sudden we're at our climax. Everyone get in your lowriders so we could go to war. Yeah, they want a big explosive climax. They want to deliver on those images we saw of Machete, you know, explosions behind him, flying in the air on his chopper. I, I They got to get us to that. This can't end, you know, quietly. So, yeah, we need to have masses of people. But why the senator ends up... Being a victim of Don Johnson, all of that gets because he has to pretend to be like Luce finds him and says, "Okay, if you're going to live, you got to be a Mexican now and puts him in a flannel shirt and a hat. But that's afterwards. I mean, Robert De Niro's character was doing well in the polls. He has a press conference in which that footage leaks out. He kills Jeff Fahey. He turns to Don Johnson for help and they're going to kill him. Yeah, I guess perhaps because that footage got out. But that wasn't even, I mean, okay. But you. I I don't understand this ending. I don't understand why all of a sudden Don Johnson's like 
I, I get why he's a bad guy in this film because he shoots innocent people. But I don't understand. Oh, all of a sudden, remember that group Don Johnson led? Now they're going to fight Machete's group. It, it just seems like a weird change of events. Like we haven't focused on them at all. Why do I care now about this fight? Yeah, I wish that Don Johnson had been in this more. He was there at the very beginning. I thought that he'd play a part. And I think that they're called in by De Niro because De Niro wants revenge on the guy who shot him, not realizing that it was Booth until the shit starts going down. Yeah, I don't understand a lot about this final shootout. Like, And they're going to kill him on a live web stream. I mean, I want to underline this. Robert De Niro has called Don Johnson for help and is being repaid by being slaughtered online and being described in the same way that illegals are. I mean, I think Robert Rodriguez was just liking the irony that vigilantes would kill anyone, I guess. But it it really is to the confusion of whatever we want to follow with this story. Yeah, I I find this all confusing at the end. I mean, eventually Robert De Niro is going to dress up as a migrant worker and, and join in on this shootout. We have Lindsay Lohan showing up as a nun for some reason. I actually like that Jeff Fahey has like this Electra thing with his daughter where he goes to confession and is basically talking about how much he wishes his daughter found him sexually attractive. And when she starts talking about her porn site, he says, I'm going to make you a nun. So that's kind of foreshadowing this. And it's all coming true now that he's dead. And it's just, you know, nuns with guns is an exploitation thing. So here we get yeah, it. Yeah, it just feels like a joke that's out of place. Like, I get the joke. That's there's. I could go to Netflix now and watch a movie called Nuns with Guns. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> I know there's a film out there called that. I've, but Oh, yeah, that's right. I've seen it at the video store. Yes, it's just, I don't know. For me, it was just like, oh, we got Lindsay Lohan and let, let's throw her here at the end. I, I don't know. I don't find this end fight very exciting at all. I mean, Steven Seagal shows up and of course you get Machete versus a Katana Blade and but uh, I'm ready for the movie to be done by this point. Yeah, no doubt about it. It just it, it, it was always going to happen. I'm more impressed that they've been able to sustain it as long as they have. But yes, it, it, we have run out of gas. There is no more jokes to be had. And yeah, what we have is just a very noisy climax, but not a particularly satisfying one. Yeah, I think they just drag it on too long. I mean, Robert De Niro dies three times. Yeah, I mean, you like the irony that he would be killed on the border fence, being mistaken for the kinds of illegals that he would normally shoot by the guy who was, up to this point, unable to kill, but finally gets his first kill in. I mean, there's some poetic irony with that. And I like that loose returns. Like, at one point, she gets shot, but it was just in the eye, so she's back with an eye patch. That's how I think of Michelle Rodriguez in these films, as the one-eyed badass Mexican woman. Yeah, I like that she wasn't killed right away and that she does come back like that's a whole lot of fun. I get the sense that people don't work long on Rodriguez movies, so they the cast are so big because, you know, he has to fill up feature length. Because, yeah, Steven Seagal is the big bad, but what would you say? He has all of about seven minutes of screen time in the whole film? Yeah. yeah. It's weird that he's the big bad. I honestly thought he was just going to be the intro bad, right? The one who killed the family and then Machete moved on to something else. I did not expect him to come back when he did in the main ceremony. 
I mean, Booth feels like he should be the big bad, Fahey's character, but he's done away pretty quickly in this final battle. And not by Machete. No, and I, I guess it's because he gets the most screen time out of De Niro and all these bad guys, so I just assumed Booth was the main one. And again, you can pay Jeff Fahey a lot cheaper than Robert De Niro <laughs> yes. or maybe even Steven Seagal. I'm thinking Rodriguez has said, okay, I got three days with you, five days with you, and all the time in the world for Jeff Fahey. <laughs> and so the script has been sort of constructed to allow allow it to happen. But what that has done by by having all of this is it means that we have this very scattered sense about where the threat is coming from and, and who we should be worried about. And yeah, just sort of the, the plot, not that this needs to be plot centric, but we need to at least understand what's going on. And I can honestly say here in the climax, I don't really understand what's transpiring. We have dishwashers and maids showing up in low riders, blowing up rednecks. I get it. It's just not overly satisfying. Even for me, who's been laughing with this joke the whole time. I'm getting numb. I mean, this feature is Danny Trejo with a rail gun on a motorcycle, and I'm not getting that thrill like I did at the beginning where he's spinning in circles, chopping off heads. But I do like the showdown with Seagal. I mean, that's a lot of fun. Sword versus Machete. I'm having a whole bunch of fun with that. And the way Seagal dies, where he's like gets impaled and he's like, that's nothing. But I'll just go ahead and twist it and kill myself anyway. Is it because it's so fat? <laughs> no, seriously. Like I couldn't figure out if he, he couldn't feel it because he's so fat. I hadn't seen Steven Seagal in so long. Well, no, no, he was doing he was doing Harikari. Like if you watch samurai films, no, that's what I you get do. that. That's what he how he finished it off. But like the point is that Machete stabs him with a big ass machete, and he doesn't even feel it. Oh, I thought he was just trying to be tough or something. I thought he was just being tough as well. The one thing I didn't get. And I wonder if this was contractual, because in reading the trivia on this, Steven Seagal has never lost a sword fight on film. And I wonder if (laughs) Seagal just wouldn't be in this film if Danny Trejo beheaded him the way he beheaded Trejo's wife. His career could go to crap, but he will not lose a sword fight like that. Seriously, I mean, yeah. Yeah, people have pride. There are weird contractual things in a lot of people's stuff where, yeah, they're like, oh, you have to only film me from this side or or what have you. It would not surprise me at all, Arnie. I'm betting that's exactly the case. The reason why we don't have a more satisfying exploitation, violent end to this big bad, it has to be because Seagal didn't want to be perceived that way that's my guess and the compromise was Seagal chooses Harry Carey after getting impaled but not that Machete beheads him which in this movie that's what I would expect that would be the poetic thing after what happened to his wife and whatever we think happened to his daughter yeah, I'm surprised they didn't use a mannequin or something later and just cut the head off. But <laughs> show I, from yeah. behind. Yeah, exactly. Just you know, but Seagal's not going to watch this movie. <laughs> Seagal doesn't even have a ponytail to cut off in this film. That's what surprised me. <laughs> but still, with all of this, I'm having so much fun with Michelle Rodriguez and her leather bra and everything else going on. I mean, we feel one step removed from the machine gun leg of Planet Terror, and that goes to the end. I. I think De Niro's final death is one death too many for that character. He just keeps dying. But then we get, I didn't actually see this coming. I mean, Machete had women throwing themselves at him this whole movie. The mother-daughter combo, lose, and then now at the very end, 
Finally, Sartana decides she's going to ride with him and do that straddle the motorcycle thing we saw on Planet Terror. And I mean, I guess it's a happy ending, but I got that she came around. She gave that big rousing speech. (laughs) We didn't cross the border. The border crossed us. I thought that was her character transformation. Falling in love with Machete, I didn't see it. I definitely saw it coming, and I liked the resolution. Not only him getting the girl, that could be predictable, but that she has papers, documentation. You're no longer an illegal. I have an ID for you, and he'd rather be the myth. He'd rather be a man with no country. I think that is an excellent note to end up on. I mean, I don't expect Jessica Alba to be back next week, but I do, you know, I, I like the idea that he is neither Mexican nor American at this point. He straddles the border. Yeah, he's like she. He He's become that myth to help prop up the network. Yeah, that seems to be, as much as this film has a theme, that is it. And then we end with Machete will return in Machete Kills. Now, Arnie, do you remember when you saw this in theaters? Did they have these trailers? Or is this something they added on? <laughs> because I would have never thought that there this was going to be a trilogy when this first came out. It was in the theaters. It was never intended to be a trilogy. There was never even intended to be a sequel. Okay, so these were joke trailers. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of trailers. Like, yeah, no, it's just the the just the titles. Okay, they were joke titles, teasers. Yeah. No, I remember walking out of Machete being excited for Machete Kills, thinking that they would really make a trilogy. I mean, 2010 was the. I mean, every trilogy was still in full bloom at this point. The Hobbit was already rumored to be a trilogy, so I thought. They might already be in the can, but no, this was just a joke title Rodriguez added, but this film was successful enough that Machete did return to kill again. But do you want him to? Jacob Stewart, Machete don't text, but does Machete get recommends? Jacob. You know, this film, like like I said, it goes on for about 15 minutes too long. I really enjoyed it until it wore out its welcome, and I was enjoying the jokes. I I, I see what you mean, Stuart, when you're saying that this is a comedy. Yes, I, I feel like you need to be laughing during this film. If you're not enjoying the humor, this film is not going to work for you at all, even if you like the gore. But it's it, there's a lot of gore and a lot of action there. I, I like most of the jokes until we get to that final scene where I just stop caring. So Machete gets a weak recommend. Sorry, don't cut me. But whether or not I wanted him to kill again, that that I don't know. I feel like this is the joke. Why why go on? How Why flog a dead horse? Uh, you did okay with this 100-minute joke. It was better as a three-minute joke, but yeah, weak recommend here. Stuart. Yeah, and that's the important thing to stress is I love Machete, the trailer. It's still best as a trailer. All the best stuff is still in that trailer. By expanding it, yeah, there's more jokes here, but there's also a lot more tedium. And I, I do feel like the joke is getting watered down. So, you know, my reaction is it's okay. It's a shrug. It's better than I imagined. I, approaching this... I didn't think I was going to like this because I thought that I would stop laughing. And I did at a certain point, but I was laughing for more of the runtime than I imagined I would be. So, yes, it's at least 15 minutes too long. And yes, it is a one joke 
very infantile, juvenile uh, comedy. But, uh, you know, I can give it a mild recommend. I'm guessing it's a lot better than any Death Wish sequel. So if they were trying to make Death Wish, <laughs> I do kind of wish they had made it more like an action thriller. But if they were going to go for this comedy thing, then, yeah, I think it's one shot only. I can't imagine what they're going to do for another one. But... All right, I'll, I'll figure that out next week. For this week, it's a green arrow. And I can't deny that the film does run a little long. I think we're all on the same page there. But I was still laughing even when it did go long. This film had such an awesome vibe for me. I give this a pretty strong recommend. It's just, I think it's better than either film that was actually in Grindhouse. I said with that review of Grindhouse that... I thought the trailers were better than the movies, and I wanted to see those movies more than I wanted to see the films in Grindhouse. Well, here I get to see it, and I like it more. So, it's a strong recommend, but do I want a sequel? I mean, it is one joke, and I can't imagine that this is something that's going to be able to be drawn out. I'm curious what they'll do. I have not seen Machete Kills again. What? You didn't go opening night? I was busy. Because if you didn't go opening night, it was gone. I mean, that thing, bam. <laughs> I didn't even know it had come out in theaters. That's... <laughs> it was the same thing as with Grindhouse. I intended to go. I couldn't go opening weekend. And yes, it was gone. You didn't want to drive six hours the next week to go see it in St. Louis or something. No, absolutely not. And it was like, by this point, we had our home theater. I'm like, I can wait for it and wait for it. And wait for it and watch tons of movies for now playing. And finally it came on the schedule. And I'm like, finally, I bought that movie. I pre-ordered it from Amazon to watch. It has remained shrink-wrapped in my house. I'm looking forward to breaking that cherry. And So next week is your first time watching it? Is, it? it is. It is. Oh, I'm wow. Okay, the cherry. I, I have seen it. So I guess I know what's in store, but neither of you do. Mm -mm. I mean, I think I know what's in store, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's not a huge mystery. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it goes into some crazy places. We'll see if it doesn't surprise you. Okay. And if you want to hear our original thoughts about that machete trailer and everything else about Rodriguez and Tarantino's Grindhouse, those are available, but only for a limited time. I want to point out, we're in the new year. Normally, our donation drives end at uh, New Year's Eve, but because Hateful Eight is only just now getting into movie theaters, uh, we are going to have the Tarantino Platinum donation drive available for a couple more weeks. That's right. And Grindhouse is part of our platinum donation package where you'll also get to hear a review of Robert Rodriguez's From Dusk Till Dawn. And I've kind of hinted at my thoughts there, but I really hope that you're able to go and listen to our full reviews. The Grindhouse review is really long and goes through both of the movies for platinum donors. If $35 or more is a little high for $25 or more, you can get our Tarantino retrospective, which you won't get any Rodriguez directed films. You'll get all nine Tarantino films, including the hateful eight. And that includes his half of grindhouse death proof. And all those donations include our silver level donation, which you can get on its own for $10 or more where we reviewed the four Hunger Game films, as well as both Battle Royale films. And I definitely think there's a tie between Tarantino and Battle Royale when it comes to Kill Bill. But like Stuart said, just a few more weeks to get these, and they go in the vault. And I hope you're able to hear them, and I hope you're able 
to support our show because we got some big plans this year. We need your help to make them happen. So Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. Until next week, I absolve you of all your sins. Now get the fuck out. You know, I could kill you right now very easily. Believe me. But I know you'll just be waiting for me in hell. So I think I'll say goodbye. Fucking. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing, and we hope you've enjoyed the show. I bet you were a great cop. And modest, too. Don't forget, if you want to hear our review of the original Grindhouse, you only have till January 31st, 2016. That double feature review, as well as 19 other movie reviews, are available as a thank you to supporters of Now Playing. You can get reviews of all the Quentin Tarantino films, Hunger Game films, Battle Royale films, plus True Romance, From Dusk Till Dawn, Four Rooms, and Natural Born Killers. Show me a DVD. My high-dollar supporters are going to like that. A lot. Find details on how to get all those podcasts by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage, nowplayingpodcast.com. Every Steve Packer in my parlor pays to play. No freebies. Your support is what keeps Now Playing operating. Our rightful citizens are hardworking Americans who earn their paychecks by the grit of their guts and the sweat of their brow. I don't want to change that. Yeah! You can also get reviews of 125 more movies in the first Now Playing podcast book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. You can pre-order the book, ebook, and audiobook now at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book. All pre-orders are autographed by all four authors. It's been a groovy four years, but there is still so much left to accomplish. In the archives at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can hear reviews of hundreds of movies such as Rambo, The Transporter, The Avengers Films, Batman, Superman, The James Bond Movies, The Mission Impossible Series, and more. He's coming after us. No, he's coming after you. And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. Do you even know how many hits I get on my website? I know all about what the online public wants. And they want me. All of me. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners. Welcome to the network. Watch it, they don't tweet. Both Machete do follow Now Playing on Twitter and Facebook, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. Now I can't make you do this, but I can make damn sure something happens to you if you don't. The link to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. I'm going to text you a rendezvous point after my swimsuit competition. Now Playing is edited by Arnie. You know what? There's a big pile of shit in the back. You can go and clean that up, all right? Make sure you do a good job. Now playing credit narration by Brock. I wasn't going to kill him. It's going to shoot him in the neck. Stop him from saying all those stupid things. 
Now Playing is not affiliated with the producers of these motion pictures. All movies discussed on Now Playing are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Somebody's got to keep watch on this great nation of ours. Otherwise, Texas will become Mexico. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. You know me. <laughs> I know the legend. Maybe the legend's better. Now Playing is a Inganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Inganza Media Incorporated. Machete will return in Machete Kills and Machete Kills Again in Space. Are you saying Sean Connery is attractive? I'm lost in that analogy. Of course Sean Connery's attractive. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, J James Bond, yeah, he was a sex symbol. This uh, guy, no. <laughs> I was thinking more of Indy's dad than James Bond. Oh, no, come on, Artie. <laughs> yeah, come on. Yeah, they're, yeah. Anyway, I mean. Uh... And he's lucky he went over before Don Johnson, Walker, Texas Ranger, was, oh, wait, that's. Is he no, that's Chuck Norris. No, that's okay. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. <laughs> he was Nash Bridges. Thanks. I don't know what he did. <laughs> no one watched that show. Yeah, I don't know Nash Bridges. <laughs> I think I knew Nash Bridges because it was uh, around the same time, and Cheech Marin was in that, actually. So I um, don't know what happened to John Johnson after Miami Vice. He met Melanie Griffith and <laughs> got drunk on a ranch. I think that's the rest of him. <laughs> All right. And Nash Bridges was in California anyway, so. Yeah, in that original trailer, they're definitely going for JFK. You see the motorcade coming down the street here. Uh, it's... I was getting that? dead zone with the... Dead zone? With the politician giving the speech and the assassin <laughs> with the sniper. Maybe it's just because I still have that book Sinatra's hanging over my head. <laughs> I was going to say, because, yeah, you're still dealing Better with Better not King. bring that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One year later, it's going to come out now that the book is done. <laughs>